Hey yo ma, what's poppin' baby? Welcome back to another episode of Remixed. As always, I am your host, Sam Shipe, and I'm rocking it by myself again today. I apologize, um, kind of for the lack of consistently uploaded episodes. There's a few reasons for that. Um, give you like a quick insight. Like at one point I was put into quarantine, so I couldn't come to campus, which is where I do my recording. Um, and then I got a concussion, which basically put me on bed rest for a couple weeks. Um, and then on top of that, as I am the section editor, I'm a bit more worried typically with getting other people's stuff out than I am my own, which, you know, work-life balance, all that, you guys don't need to worry about that. But today, uh, our topic is one that I really wanted to uh, get out there, even though it's going to be a day late, you know, recording this December 1st, hopefully it comes out today. Um, if not, it'll come out tomorrow, but that's that's the goal because it is something that needs to be talked about and that is uh you know native american musicians um native american artists um so today i'm going to be talking about uh some native american artists that um sorry i'm not trying to say i'm just trying to get all this out here that you may not have known were native or wrote song or like hit songs that you did not know were written by native people and just kind of go from there because November was Native American Heritage Month and it is a marginalized uh, community that deserves to have their voices lifted up. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to use this platform to uplift those voices because it's, it's like I said, a marginalized community that deserves more attention, that deserves to, ha to be listened to because they're so often silenced. You know, even their uh, Heritage Month is held in the same month as Thanksgiving, which is, you know, kind of messed up to anyone that actually, you know, has done any research at all into Thanksgiving and its actual origins. So I think that's fair enough to say. And with all that, just know that my intentions today are to uplift voices and, you know, not focus on myself whatsoever. And I apologize if I don't use the term that you prefer uh, as the people that I've talked to in preparation for this, you know, some of them say they prefer to be called Native American, some prefer American Indian, but so with that, I will likely be using them interchangeably. If you don't uh, appreciate that, I apologize. I am doing my best uh, and trying to keep it as authentic as possible for you so that you can listen to this um, and hopefully come out of it having learned something. You know, I, I did this and I, I asked friends uh, and anyone that I could get a hold of that I felt like could weigh in on this, like, you know, artists that they wanted to highlight, artists that they uh, thought were good for people just getting into and getting used to listening to native uh, influenced music. That being, you know, with that being said, you know, with any kind of music, you know, I'm not necessarily genre because uh, there's a large spanning of cultures across you know, the American Indians. So you get a lot of different what you would consider genres. But with any kind of music, you know, you don't want to start with the most extreme version, right? Like if I'm trying to get you into metal music, we're not going to start with, you know, hardcore death metal. Like if you like rock, I'm going to start you with rock that has like some metal influence on the guitars or the drums. Get you used to those new sounds over time so that when you start listening to death metal, it's not as jarring and it's not as like off putting initially because it's unknown, 
you know i don't want you to be scared of what you're listening to um or i get scared's not the right word but you know what i mean hopefully but yeah so let's get into it uh the first one that a lot of people said um was Jimi hendrix and i do believe that that's something that deserves to be highlighted as you know most people when they think of Jimi hendrix they think of him as you know, one of the greatest black musicians of all time. And I would absolutely never want to detract from that because I think that's absolutely true. You know, what he did um, with his guitar was like mind-bogglingly insane. It was earth-shattering, insert another, you know, glorifying adjective. But I think it's also important to point out that, you know, that's not the only part of his ancestry that we should be celebrating, right? He was in large part raised by his grandmother, who was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian, right? Making his, uh, I believe his father half, et cetera, et cetera, you know, but that obviously had a lot of impact on him. And you can tell by, you know, clothes he wore, um, certain ways that he acted and like, like he would discuss it as well, uh, which is why it's kind of... Um, kind of annoying that in a lot of articles and memoirs about his life, they don't focus on it. Like, if anything, it's like kind of like thrown to the side, but it, it should be, you know, more well noted, you know, so that kids growing up, you know, whether they're on reservation, off reservation, whatever, you know, that's an idol, you know, and, and you're, you're kind of robbing these kids that opportunity to have, you know, another person to idolize that, shares something in common with them right and i think jimmy is an excellent example um in a lot of ways as far as success you know obviously not later in life and method of his death but you know what i mean you know there are people to look up to like a lot of people look up to jimmy in general um and i think that you know you're kind of leaving that community out as well he was also he also had a mexican heritage um, which is important to note um, if we're noting the Native American heritage. But especially if it was, you know, Native Mexican, then that's just more Native American. But we don't know that much, you know, because I didn't – I don't know if it's out there. But if it is, I didn't look too hard for it because this episode is focused on uh, Native American Heritage Month. Uh, you know, another example of a black musician – that has native heritage is uh, Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. Uh, they had uh, confirmed Choctaw ancestry. Um, their suspected Blackfoot ancestry on his mother's side as well, but that was never confirmed from all the sources that I was reading. So I'm not going to focus on that. But you know that had obviously less of an impact on Michael and his siblings' lives than. Uh, Jimmy's did so I didn't really want to focus on that as much because I want to focus on people that you know whether they're off reservation or they embrace their heritage um, whatever it is I don't want it to be you know the white guy in the back of class that you know someone calls out the classroom for being like all white or whatever and he's like well actually I'm 132nd Cherokee and it's like well great nobody cares because you know it's so far removed and they have no affiliation with anything like that uh so you know it, it's probably just an attempt to not seem racist or to stand out whatever it is um, but it is just insensitive you know um as far as like what counts as you know how do you know when you're native this is something that 
one of the artists that I'll talk to talk about down the line um, actually brings up and uh, discusses quite often in his music, um, which has stirred up controversy within the community itself. But we'll get there. I promise. I promise. I promise. Uh, the next kind of like older artist that I want to bring light to is uh, Redbone. Now, a lot of people my age, maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger, uh, will know Redbone as the song by Childish Gambino. Um, which, you know, it's a fantastic song, obviously. I love it. Um, but that's, it's, I, I'm, I'm struggling with words because it's, I want to say the origin isn't that, does that make sense? The origin of Redbone is uh, Cajun. I believe it's, it might be Creole, but it basically means a mixed race person. Um, and that name was taken up by the band Redbone, which is a funk rock band that started in the late 60s, I believe 1969, and started releasing music in uh, the early to mid 70s. Um, they released music up until 1977. Um, and then they took a very long hiatus and then released music again in 2005. Uh, and they are still technically active, even though uh, all but one of the original members has since passed away. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But I want to like I want to point this group out because they wrote a song that I think most people would recognize, and that is uh, "Come and Get Your Love." Uh, probably most notably in the last uh, in recent years as a song from the Guardians of the Galaxy, the the original the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, which just made the song just so overwhelmingly popular that it immediately charted to number one on the on the Billboard 200 chart. Uh, and since then, it's been in multiple uh, shows, movies, etc. cetera, uh, across the world. Um, but most notably to me is in 2021, um, it's featured in an episode of Reservation Dogs, which is a series on FX, which is created by uh, native creators uh, so i think that's a really cool nod to uh, this this group that has native heritage um, primarily with uh, lolly and pat vegas as the original two members of the band uh, who were creating music uh, for them but with the two of them before they formed the band uh, originally and they have native and mexican roots and they never they never denied it. They, you know, if anything, they leaned into it and still found success, which I think is really important to note that they never shied away from their heritage. You can tell from what they wear in like their album covers, what they wear while they're performing, all that stuff just kind of, they never shied away. They leaned into their heritage. Uh, they were obviously proud of it. And I think that's really cool that they were able to find success with that, you know, and they were, they were confident that they didn't need to shy away from it you know like they turned down record deals uh just to just because they wanted to live um they wanted to live in uh la you know they were offered a deal other way uh like somewhere else and they said no and they went to la because they wanted to live there and they while they were there they were before they were releasing their own music they were writing and playing on records by icons like tina turner sunny and Cher, james brown who also has suspected native ancestry but we're not going to really talk about him because again i said it's suspected um as well as little richard and elvis presley you know these these kings and queens these icons in music and you're just writing for them you know and playing on their records you know waiting for your chance and and they got they finally got their chance as they go on, they they also develop 
their own style and they develop these these ways of playing that are accredited to them and only them right um with uh, peter depoe their drummer creating his own style of drumming which is later dubbed uh king kong drumming and that's that's his it's been it's been recreated before uh it's been re i guess recreated since um both by native and non-native groups uh, which i think is really cool like they very clearly have an impact on music uh i believe lolly who was the lolly vegas one of i think the only like the, the the lead guitarist at the very least he the way he amplified his electric guitar was through some kind of like spinning speaker and the sound that it created was unique at the time and you know it's it's unique in that it is his originally but since then obviously it's also been recreated um through the same means and other knees means sorry i saw the word knee on my screen because that ties into the next thing i was going to talk about with them leaning into their heritage it did hurt their success uh they released <clears throat> they released we were all at wounded knee which is you know harking back to uh, a massacre of the lakota sioux nation uh in the late 1800s and you know it charted it hit i believe it hit number one in um in uh some european country and in others it was just charting all over the place but in the u.s it didn't even chart at all because you know to an extent it's a sore subject for those in the community and those out of community don't want to hear that right and that's kind of part of the issue that we're discussing today is like you know shying away from those topics you know shying away from all of that is how we get to problems like you know romanticizing thanksgiving uh, which has been done for so long but it's just because you know these voices have fallen on deaf ears and you know the it it's inspiring to me that it never seemed to deter redbone like as a group it never seemed to deter them they still made their music uh obviously they went on a hiatus like i said earlier from 77 to 2005 uh, as far as releasing music but they were still playing they were still active in the community uh, they performed as late as that we know of 2018 um on the first uh indigenous people's day and they were the headliners of that crowd alongside like people like the black eyed peas um things like that and obviously they were met with a lot of love from the community and i think that that's you know it's it's a group that until i was really researching this i barely knew anything about but i feel like it's so important that people know about this group just as far as like music history if that makes sense so i want i want it i wanted to use my platform like even if only five people that listen to this go and you know look into redbone further than come and get your love i will have succeeded to an extent you know okay so with that i kind of want to transition into artists that i was told to highlight and why uh that i've listened to since and i agree you know i, I think that it's good music regardless of uh the ancestry uh, or like influence whatever like listening to it regardless it's still great music but it's so much better knowing what i know about like their influences things like that um and that they were recommended to me by people in the community 
So the first one is going to be Lila Downs. I believe it's Lila. Uh, it could be Lila. I don't know. Um, and the reason that I'm highlighting this person is um, because they are Native Mexican. So it's still Native American if we're going for, <laughs> you know, the actual definition of America, uh, not just being the United States. Because, and the reason that I'm kind of highlighting that is because, and this person, the person that suggested expressed it to me is, um, so many people that are native uh, to Mexico who are still, you know, American Indians by definition, they kind of get pushed to the outskirts of the conversation, uh, even within the community of American Indians. They're just kind of ignored to an extent, but that doesn't that didn't keep uh, Lila down at all. As she performed at the grand opening of the National Museum of the American Indian, and n pretty much no one knew who she was, but she just like blew them all away with this sound that perfectly blends um, indigenous Mexican sounds with jazz and Latin music, but it's so distinctly like. To quote the article that I that I read about this, um, it is instantly recognizable as American Indian, but with a Pan American perspective. Um, and I think that that you know that really like lends itself to her success. Uh, sure, like you know, I would say like you know she's so the way that she brings in her lyrics is very folkloric. And she has songs that tackle these real issues, uh, like uh, La Linea, uh, which translates roughly to the border. Um, and she's basically challenging that that existence of that border, of that um, basically non-existent line, you know, um, with the idea being that, you know, that line exists only because you drew it there. Uh, and it's super beautiful. Um, and I highly recommend you look it up. Again, that's Lila Downs, and the song is La Linea. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the next one because I'm still trying to keep this short, but I'm trying to keep it with something for everybody, you know, whether you like rock, rap, jazz, you know. So the next one, uh, is his title is uh, Prolific the Rapper, and he is of native descent. And he, I want to, you know, kind of, bring him up simply because he exemplifies what hip-hop started out as or at least that what rap started out as um or what got originally popular with rap and he's turning it to native influence right so a lot of early rap comes from like nwa and groups like that or people like that um basically critiquing this system of oppression that they're falling under you know so he's doing the same thing and with his uh i guess you can call it resistance rap because it's not gangster rap um but it kind of has that same vibe and he he just like he's basically he was gonna go to jail for his activism if charges were not dropped on him you know he it's very hard to like put into words something that I just wish I could, you know, reach into your headphones that you're probably wearing right now or your car speakers where you're listening and just like blast this song through to you. Um, because it is, it's incredibly emotional and 
you know he he has backers of you know a canadian first nation group a tribe called red and he he just kind of takes that and he runs with it and his activism is so incredible and his videos are so raw because he's just documenting like literal assault of police officers on native people on their land um particularly in his song called uh black snakes uh which is basically an attempted like you know a, a a video focusing on the Dakota access pipeline um, and like all the protests that took place in the Dakotas because of it, um, having them take place on indigenous land and threaten um, fresh water for these people. uh, And it's just, he's basically just like, he's baffled. Like, you know, like, are you crazy? Like, you know, people need water to live, you know, in, in his lyrics, but obviously he's more linguistic than that. But he's just, like, just shredding, uh, you know, these officers that are just, like, battering these people that are just trying to essentially secure their way of life. Uh, and and in, in this group where that's been challenged and threatened from the beginning of settlement in this country. And I think that he puts a very modern and graspable spin on it where, you know, people that have roots in hip-hop and stuff like they'll stop to listen to him because his flow is great and his lyrics are awesome but they'll come out of it like oh my god i didn't realize you know how bad it really is you know you see it on the news about these pipelines and stuff you see protests and you maybe you think it's like an environmental thing maybe you think it's you know whatever and some people just want to let it happen because it'd be quote-unquote better for the economy but these people are having their way of lives threatened and where that's been like the status quo and when they fight back they get brutalized and he's just bringing all of this attention to it (sighs) sorry that was probably the one i was the most passionate about just because like his music gets me gets me amped up um and it it, is it's just it's fantastic um next one is going to be uh keith sakola um, he is uh, Anishinaabe, and he just kind of he he created his own record label, and he's just found like his own um, place in the community. You know, winning um, multiple Native American music awards, um, and going along and just being like a huge part of you know benefit shows, things like that. Where like he just he brings humor to everything, um, and like you know his song Indian Cars is like considered by a lot of people to be the Native American national anthem and it, it depicts basically um like this car that's just like run down it, it drives on a reservation it has like a headlight out or something uh and it just like it's held together by like this one sticker that says Indian power um and you know he he did a, like a remix with it with a bunch of um you know different different artists as well um and i think that his voice is just hard to ignore and i don't know it's i don't it's just like it's inspiring to see that like he's giving so much more to um like to the community if that makes sense like the energy that he brings he's bringing it to the community um so next one I want to bring up is Carrie Morin. This is more for people that like more classic um, guitar music um, because his finger picking is insane. Um, 
and he is like his voice is super soulful um and earthy and like the classic like um like cash type influence um if that makes sense and uh yeah so he's a member of the crow nation and he's just he's done like tours in europe um and just like i don't know like he he himself has experimented with his sound in ways that uh, a lot of people just wouldn't um and i think that that's really really cool now this next one is the one that i mentioned earlier that kind of has the controversy of how do you know when you're native um, and this may be the last one that I bring up just because I wanted to get this out there. I want to get that, get this out there as fast as possible. I want to bring awareness to these people existing and, you know, get people, you know, in that mindset where they're open to listening to more native voices. I want to, I want, I want to just like, I want to, I want to, I want to take away the surface layer, if that makes sense. And then I want you to keep digging. You know, that's, that's what I want out of this. That's why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this because I like these artists, even though I do. I'm not doing this because I want to feel better about myself. No, I want you to dig a little bit deeper and experience not only these artists, but these voices of so many people that have been ignored or their voices have fallen on deaf ears over the years. Uh, so the next one I'm going to bring up is called Nako. Um, well, his name is Nako. Um, and it's very interesting because there's, and there's an author like, you know, Sherman Alexi, um, who asks the question, you know, how do you know you're Indian? And then very straightforward says, you know, when your tribe says you are, but you know, that kind of, it gets muddy, uh, in a lot of ways because, you get to people who maybe were adopted by white parents, um, who, you know, their parents maybe left, um, but so they were never raised around that culture, but they still want a place, if that makes sense. Um, and I believe that this is like this artist, Nako, um, is a great representation of that. You know, he's, uh, his roots are Apache, Puerto Rican and Filipino. Um, emphasis on you know the apache um but you know his birth mother was not fantastic um so he was uh eventually adopted by a family in portland um where he was brought up with like you know classic you know like like the 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 idea of like a privileged upbringing if that makes sense like piano lessons um gets to travel um stuff like that and but he eventually like he he fell in love with the guitar and then folk music and then songwriting um on and on and on um and then his band nako and the medicine for the people um they don't have like a huge following but the people that are fans are so passionate and i think it it just shows like you know this is a voice that can echo for miles as far as like within the community you know there are so many people that relate to what he has to say and what he's bringing up um and i'd say if you want to hear like see like a fantastic live performance uh i think it's on youtube um you can just look up nako build a bridge um and i think you'll understand you know why this like you know folky super soulful man 
um, is just mesmerizing people with, you know, his, his super fast lyrics um, and just like his fans just going so hard for him uh, at all of his live shows that you'll find. And I think he is a great example of someone that is a part of the community, despite people saying that, you know, he shouldn't be. But who gets to say, you know? And it's it's not as cut and dry as you would think, as, you know, like, oh, how do you know if someone's Native American? Well, are they part of a tribe? It's like, well, that's not fair to a lot of people, you know, because it wasn't, maybe it wasn't their choice that their family um, left the reservation or grew apart from the tribe. You know, if that's something that they want to pursue, then who are you to say that they aren't, you know, that they don't have this ancestry that they can um, relate to, that they don't have this ancestry that they can lean into, that they don't have this ancestry that can help them along their path to their own self-discovery. That's not for you to say, you know. At the end of the day, it is up to them and whether or not they want to make it up to their, you know, whoever their leader is, depending on the tribe or the nation that they're, you know, going before, because they all have different systems and classifications for what you can do as far as, you know, claiming that heritage. But at the end of the day, it comes down to themselves. And I think Nako really shows that. You know, he... Regardless of what you may think, because he had, you know, a privileged upbringing after he was adopted, he believes what he believes, and he is so willful in it that his fans turn out for him like I've never seen pretty much ever. And I think that that's super inspiring and something that I believe that he can be a great role model for Native youth. Uh, and I think that's kind of where I want to leave it today. You know, I'm here to lift these voices because I want it to become something more, right? I want it to, like, you know, if you grow up and you have kids, I want them to grow up, m like, more in unity with these people that have been ignored for so long. I want, I want you and I want them to, you know, lend an ear to these people that have been just completely ignored for so long. Basically, since, like I said earlier, settlers landed here, their issues have gone unanswered, you know, and it's not their fault is kind of, you know, a huge aspect to this, you know, take away what made them who they were, force them on these small plots of land, and then silence them, and then keep them under your thumb. That's just been the status quo for, for forever at this point it feels like you know you know it's it's it hasn't changed until you know living memory and even then it's not really changing and it won't unless we make this effort to celebrate these people that are creating this art that are you know becoming you know activists in their community and speaking out and the best that we can do if we're not a part of those communities is listen and do our best to understand, but know that we will never understand fully. So with that, I want to thank you for listening to this episode, and I want to say, you know, 
if I don't get another episode in before the holidays, I hope you have a happy holidays. I'm going to do my best to get an episode in for the holidays, though. Um, I can't promise anything, but that's the goal. As always, I'll see you guys on the next episode of Remixed.